Well, hey everyone, Pastor Stephen here, and I want to thank you for checking out this message from Journey Church. I hope that it encourages you, challenges you, and brings you closer to Jesus than ever before. If you are joining us today online or through the live stream, we are so excited that you are with us. However, we are not meant to do life alone, so don't let online media be a substitute for an actual community of faith and fellowship. God created us to do life with one another so that we can grow together on life's journey. We hope that you enjoy this message from God's Word. Well, today begins what is known in the church world as Passion Week. Uh, other uh, other churches, you'll hear it called Holy Week. Uh, in the Holy Week, in the Passion Week, you have three of the greatest days, most important days in all of human history. You have the triumphal entry, you have the crucifixion, and then you have the resurrection all wrapped up in this week. I would encourage you to uh, spend some time really praying, really reflecting, really uh, thinking about what God has done for us during this Holy Week. Uh, it starts today and it will end and culminate next, next Sunday as we celebrate the Resurrection Day. We call it Easter, but it's really Resurrection Day where Jesus rose again from the grave. Um, we have been in a series called Endgame, and I was thinking of wrapping that up today, but I've decided I'm going to wait until after Easter and spend a couple of more weeks wrapping up that series. I thought it was important for us today, even though we have been looking at prophetic future events, to look today at how a prophecy or many prophecies were actually fulfilled in what we know as Palm Sunday. So today what we're going to do is we're going to look at Matthew chapter 21 verses 1 through 11. And one thing that you can be assured of is that God keeps his word. You can count on him, you can trust him, you can believe in his, uh, in his word. Uh, Again, we have been looking at the future events in this series of messages called Endgame. It's really a prophetic series of messages where we're looking at prophecies that are yet to be fulfilled, that will be fulfilled as Jesus has promised, as Daniel promises, as Revelation promises, and other places in Scripture. But today we are going to look backwards. We are going to look at a prophecy already fulfilled, and we can be assured that God will keep his word in the future because we know for certain that he's already fulfilled his word in the past. Now, uh, think about what we have been talking about in our in-game series. We have been looking primarily at Matthew 24 and 25. Do you know where contextually that occurs or when that occurs? It actually occurs in a on a Tuesday, and it's the Tuesday following Palm Sunday. So just two days after Jesus triumphantly rides into Jerusalem, you have him talking about the doomsday things that are going to happen. So one way to say it is that Palm Sunday, the triumphal Sunday, is followed by a doomsday Tuesday. And we're going to look at that today as we get into Matthew chapter 21. The story of Jesus entering into Jerusalem is actually found in all four of the Gospels. It is in Mark 11, Luke 19, John 12, and then we're going to look at it today for our reading in Matthew 21. Um, 
this idea of Jesus entering into Jerusalem is very, very specific, and it's very, very important. Um, it is the fulfillment of prophecy. It is the fulfillment of God's direction for the world. It's the fulfillment of God's will being done, and it culminates in this, uh, not only the idea of the resurrection, but in today, in Jesus triumphantly entering into Jerusalem. After Jesus enters into Jerusalem, he is going to give a series of teachings, and most of those teachings, many of those teachings, conclude with the idea of God's wrath coming. Some of the things that Jesus says after Matthew 21 verses 1 through 11 are things like this. In 2141, he says that he is going to destroy wicked men miserably. In chapter 22 of Matthew, uh, Jesus is going to say, take, uh, take, uh, then the king said to the servants, bind him hand and foot and toss him, cast him out into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. In Matthew 23, Jesus is preaching to a bunch of religious people and he says, serpents, brood of vipers, how can you escape the condemnation of hell? In Matthew 24, verse 51, Jesus says, they will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There there should be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And in Matthew 25, 30, as he ends this section where he's talking about the end times events, he will say, cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So the point that Jesus is making is very clear. And the idea of Palm Sunday is very clear. He repeats it over and over again. If you do not bow to me, he says, as the Lamb of God that was slain for sinners, then you will face inescapable judgment. He says, I am the Christ and I will be returning and I will judge sinners who have not repented and bowed to me. The theme of Palm Sunday is very clear. It is Jesus coming in as the Lamb of God to offer salvation to the world. Let's read together Matthew 21, verses 1 through 11, and then get into this message talking specifically about this day, this Palm Sunday, this triumphal entry day. Let's look at it together. In Matthew 21, verse 1 through 11, it says this, Now as they, that is the disciples and Jesus, as they drew near to Jerusalem, they came to Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives. Then Yeshua, Jesus, sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village before you. Right away, you're going to find a donkey tied up in a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the master needs them, and right away he will send them. This happened to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet when the prophet said this, say to the daughter of Zion, see your king is coming to you humble and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. When was that said in the Old Testament? It was said in the book of Zechariah. It was also said in the book of Isaiah. And it's also referenced in the book of Genesis. So from the very beginning of time, God has been stating and predicting and saying that his son, his chosen Messiah will be coming into Jerusalem and he will be coming in the manner that we just saw before us, riding on a donkey, on, the, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. 
Then he goes on to say this. The disciples went and did as Yeshua had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and they put their clothing on them. And then Jesus sat on the clothing. Most of the crowd spread their clothing on the road and others began cutting branches from the trees and spreading them on the road. The crowds going before him and those following after him kept shouting, saying, Hosanna, or in the Hebrew, Hoshiana, Hoshiana to Ben David, to the son of David. Baruch Habab Shem Adonai, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, Hoshiana, in the highest. When Jesus had entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred, and they were saying, Who is this? And the crowds kept saying, This is the prophet Jesus, the prophet Yeshua from Nazareth, from Nazareth in the Galilee. Let's pray as we begin. Father, this day is so tremendous. This day is so filled with amazement. It is filled with your coming through on the prophecies and the plans that you had set forth in the Old Testament. Help us to see how you have been working behind the scenes. Help us to have hearts that are encouraged and touched and, and drawn near to you because we see the power of your word. We believe in you because you have fulfilled the things that you laid out ahead of time. I pray, Father, that you would touch our lives today. And I pray, Father, that you would point us to Jesus, who is our Savior. Help us to see our need. Help us to see our predicament. And Lord, help us to trust in Jesus, the Lamb of God, who has come to take away the sin of the world. Father, help us to escape the wrath that will one day come by trusting in you by allowing the blood of Jesus to be painted upon our hearts. Make this week a special week in our lives as we reflect upon the power and the plan that you accomplished. Be with us now. Give us open hearts and receptive ears. And may your Holy Spirit be speaking to us now. It is in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. I've got a question for you this morning, and I want you just to think about this. What is the greatest proof of God being real? What is the greatest proof of Jesus actually being the Messiah? There are a lot of uh, ministries that are focused upon trying to help you understand and know without a doubt that God is real, that God is true, and that Jesus is the Messiah. And they're wonderful ministries, and they have wonderful ways of pointing to the fact that he has to be true. By looking at all kinds of things, creation and archaeology, by looking at linguistics, by looking at history, you can see all of the evidence that God himself has laid out, and he has to be true. But the ultimate way, the ultimate and greatest proof that God is real and that Jesus is the Messiah is, without a doubt, the phenomenon and the powerful evidence of prophecy that has been fulfilled. In the Old Testament, there are well over a hundred prophecies that are given that point to the Messiah. 
These prophecies are often very, very specific. They're not vague prophecies. They're very detailed, very specific prophecies that are given in the Old Testament. In fact, I want to challenge you to look at the Old Testament differently than maybe you do now. For some of you, the Old Testament is probably the widest pages that you have in your Bible because you never open the Old Testament. If you look at it, though, in a different manner, you'll start to see it this way. That in the Old Testament, you have prophecies given. 500, 600, 700, over a thousand years before Jesus came on the scene. There are many, even in the book of Genesis themselves, that point to a coming Savior. When you look at the Old Testament and you see prophecies that are given, you can then start looking at the New Testament as prophecy fulfilled. When you see the fact that God laid out what would happen, and then you see it come to fruition in the New Testament, the only conclusion you can come to is God has to be real. This cannot happen by coincidence or happenstance. There are many religious books that are written, but of all of the religious books that are written, none of them with a few exception of very vague generalities of foretelling of events, none of them have has what the Bible has, and that is prophecy given in specific and prophecy fulfilled in detail. That is the most important evidence of the existence of God, in my opinion. I love the other types of things that we can look at. So many evidences, and they just help to compile the whole evidence list. But it is the prophecies given and the prophecies fulfilled that we need to look at. One of those specific things given is given on Palm Sunday, the day that we are celebrating today, the day that we look at the triumphal entry. In that culture, they did not call it Palm Sunday. It was never referred to as Palm Sunday. It was a different day. In that day, it was a specific day, and it was a reason behind the specific celebration of the day. Today, I want to look at that specific day, and I want to look at the fact that the prince arrives, and that is the title of the message this morning. The title of the message is, The Prince Arrives. Now, we're going to look at three things with this day that are very specific and very important. First, we're going to look at the actual day itself. The actual day that happened a couple of thousand years ago almost. Secondly, we're going to look at the prophesied day that comes right out of the Old Testament. And third, we're going to look at the need for this day. Why we need this day, why we need this event to take place. In John chapter 3, one of the most important scriptures in all of the Bible, one of the most well-known scriptures, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son. The whole thing in context, starting in John chapter 3, verses 14 through 18, says this. Just as, and this is Jesus saying it, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. How must the Son of Man be lifted up? He needs to be lifted up on the cross. He has to go to the cross. The Son of Man has to do this. So that... Whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. 
God did not send the son into the world to condemn the world. That was not his job, but in order that the world might be saved through him. The one who believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe has been condemned already because he has not put his trust in the name of the one and only Son of God, Ben Elohim. Jesus was given as a gift to mankind, and his triumphal entry is Jesus's, is God's gift to mankind, Jesus triumphantly entering into Jerusalem. We have the gift of God given through the birth, but now we have the gift of God given through his triumphal entry, his entering into Jerusalem. It is the first time that as he is entering into Jerusalem that he is really being referred to as the king, as the Messiah, as the prince who was to come. And so today I want to look at three things, the actual day, the prophesied day, and the needed day. So let's start with the actual day and understand what was actually going on. The actual day of Jesus's entry was a day like today. It's a Sunday. It was the beginning of the Jewish Holy Week. In the Jewish culture, they were getting ready to celebrate Passover. On Friday evening, uh, prior to Jesus's entry, Friday evening to Saturday evening was the Sabbath day. It was their day off, their day of rest. They did nothing on the Sabbath day other than rest, worship God, spend time with their family. That was the goal of the Sabbath day. On Sunday was the first day of the week. It was the work day. You would go to work on that day. It would start at Saturday at sundown, and it would go until Sunday at sundown. A day in a Jewish calendar always went from sundown to sundown. This was Sunday morning. Sunday, uh, Sunday morning came around and Jerusalem was buzzing. They were busy. They were, they were just packed because everybody was coming in from the surrounding area to come to Jerusalem in order to celebrate the Passover. Every hotel was full. Every motel was full. Every Airbnb was full. All family residences were full. They were all coming in, uh, really landing upon Jerusalem in order to celebrate the Passover meal. So it was swelling with the population. Well over a million people were there in order to celebrate the Passover event. That is the day that Jesus rode in. There was something significant about this day. The day, the first day of the week, at the beginning of the Passover week was a holy day according to what is given in Exodus chapter 12. Here's what the story says in Exodus chapter 12. It says, now Adonai, the Lord... He spoke to Moses, spoke to, spoke to Moshe and to Aaron in the land of Egypt. And here's what he said to them. This month will mark the beginning of months for you. In other words, this month will be January for you. It's not going to be called January. It will be called the month of Nisan, N-I-S-A-N. It will be the first month on your calendar. It will happen in the springtime. They used the spring to launch the new year at that time, according to what was given to Moses. He said, this is going to be the first month for you. And uh, I want you to tell all the congregation of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, on the 10th day of the month of Nisan, I want each one of you to take a lamb for your family. Take one for your household. The lamb that you select 
will be without blemish. It's got to be perfect. It's got to be a year old male. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats and you must watch over it until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel is to slaughter it at twilight. They are then to do something with this lamb that has been, has been slain. They are to take the blood of the lamb that was slain and they are to put it on the two doorposts and on the cross beam of the houses where they will eat it, eat the Passover. This is the Lord's, Adonai's Passover. And then God says this, for I will go through the land of Egypt on that night and I will strike down every firstborn, both men and animals, and I will execute judgments against all the gods of Egypt. I am Adonai. The blood will be a sign for you, the houses where you are. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. So there will be no plague among you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So here's a specific event that is happening, a specific event that is taking place. On the very first month that you have, the month of Nisan, I want you on the 10th day of that month to take a lamb. Pick one lamb. Make sure it's a perfect lamb. Make sure the lamb's a year old. Make sure that it's without any kind of blemish whatsoever. Take it into your home. Let it be there with you. And then when you get to the 14th day, I want you to take this lamb at twilight and I want you to kill the lamb. Kind of sounds gruesome in a way. Take the lamb, kill the lamb, take the blood of the lamb, put the blood upon the doorposts of your home. Thereby, when I come to destroy and bring wrath and bring judgment upon the land, I will see that blood and I will pass over you. No plague will come upon you, no judgment, no wrath. You will be safe, you will be saved. The day that Jesus rode into Jerusalem was the day, it was the 10th day of the month of Nisan. And they were still following this to the letter. So that on the 10th day, this bustling city of Jerusalem were out getting their lambs ready to bring into their household for the sacrifice that would take place just a few days later on the Passover day, on the 14th day. As Jesus rode into Jerusalem, it was God's ultimate statement saying, Behold, here is my chosen Lamb of God. You chose a lamb and you brought the lamb into your house. I am choosing a lamb and I am bringing him into my house. And the Lamb of God came into the city and would stay in the city until the 14th day where the Lamb of God would be crucified, he would be slain on the Passover for the sin of the world. It is the ultimate day. It's the actual day. It is the literal day. It's not by happenstance. It's not coincidence that that's the day that Jesus entered into Jerusalem. It was the day of God's choosing. It was the actual day of his choosing so that when Jesus is slain and he is hung on that cross, we take his blood spiritually upon us and we have his blood painted upon the doorposts of our heart so that when the wrath of God comes, he will see the blood of the lamb painted on our hearts and he will pass over and no plague will befall you. The wrath of God will pass over you. 
You will be safe. You will be saved. You will have experienced salvation because you have trusted in the Lamb of God who rode into Jerusalem on the exact day that he needed to ride in. That's the literal day. That's the actual day. But did you know in the Old Testament there is also a prophesied day? And the prophesied day is a mind-blowing day because God spoke of this prophesied day about 530 years before Jesus was on the scene. A prophecy given in specific detail 530 years before the coming of the Messiah that Jesus fulfilled to the letter can help us to have hearts that are encouraged and firmly committed to him. What was this prophesied day? Well, the prophesied day is found in the book of Daniel. It's found in in Daniel chapter 9. And in Daniel chapter 9, here's what it says. Daniel is getting a vision. He is, he's got a divine appointment with an angel. The angel Gabriel shows up and speaks to Daniel. This is the second time that Gabriel will have spoken to Daniel. Gabriel is the angel we know of that talked to Mary at the coming of Jesus Messiah. Gabriel shows up to Daniel and he gives Daniel a specific prophecy that was going to happen in the future. This is a future thing. In fact, Daniel didn't know when this was going to happen. We know it would happen about 530, 540 years after Daniel got this vision from the angel. And here's the vision that he got. And let me just read it to you. Gabriel said to Daniel, there's going to be 70 weeks. 70 weeks are decreed concerning your people and your holy city. The purpose of these 70 weeks is to put an end to transgression, to bring sin to an end, to atone for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the holy of holies. So Daniel, Gabriel says, I want you to understand this. From the issuing of the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem, until the time of the Amashiach, the Messiah, the Prince, there shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks. It will be rebuilt. Then after the 62 weeks, Amashiach, Messiah, will be cut off and have nothing. So what is Daniel talking about? Well, let me help you to understand this vision that Daniel just got. Daniel says, or is given by Gabriel, a number. The number is a seven-week period, a 62-week period, and then there will be a final one-week period that is not talked about right here. He says there will be seven weeks and 62 weeks. That's a 69-week total. What are 69 weeks? Well, in Hebrew, it's not really weak. That's probably a, a poor translation of what the word actually is. What a week is in Hebrew, it's called a week of years. It's called a heptad. A heptad is a grouping of seven. And so literally what it means is this. There will be seven groups of seven, seven groups of seven years, and there will be 62 groups of seven years. 
If you add all of that together, you have seven groups of seven years. That's 49 years. Then you look at a 62 grouping of seven. That is a total of 434 years. That's 69 weeks or a total of 483 years. So Daniel is giving a very specific prophecy. And the prophecy is this. In 483 years, from the time that a decree is issued to go back and rebuild Jerusalem, from that moment, 483 years, and the Messiah will come. This happened 530 years before Jesus was even on the scene. So what is this number? How do we know what this is? Well, here's the decree that was given. It was given in Nehemiah chapter 2, where Nehemiah is given the task, go back and rebuild Jerusalem. Go back and start with the wall and rebuild Jerusalem. Historians know, because records were kept, that that day that the decree was given to Nehemiah was in the month of Nisan. Again, that's the first month of the year. It was on Nisan 1 of 445 BC. That's when it was given. Nissan 1, 445 B.C. corresponds to, in our Gregorian calendar, which the Jews did not use, but it would, if you tried to match it up, it would be March 14th, 445 B.C. Daniel was given this. It's going to be seven heptads, that's 49 years, and then you're going to have a period of 62 heptads, that's 434 years. That is a total of 483 years. 483 years times the Jewish calendar, which is 30 days in a month. There are 360 days in a Jewish year, not 365 like we have, but it's 360 days. If you take 483 years times 360 days, that comes out to a total of 173,880 days. So here's the prophecy Daniel is given. From the time that the decree is issued, if you add 173,880 days to that, you will come to the point where the Messiah, the Prince, will come. And he will then be cut off for the sins of the world, for the iniquity of the people. So do we know what date that was? Well, if you take the starting date of Nissan 1... 445 BC, you come to a final date of what is known as Nissan 10, 32 AD. Now, do you remember what I had just said, the actual day? What was the 10th day of the first month? It was the day the lamb was selected that would then stay with the household until the 14th day, and on the 14th day, the lamb would be killed. Jesus, if you add the numbers out of the book of Daniel, from Nissan 1, 445 BC, you add all 173,880 days, you come to Nissan 10, 32 AD, the Lamb Selection Day, which was the day Jesus rode into Jerusalem. That is a mind-blowing prophecy. God did not say, well, it's going to happen roundabout, you know, between, uh, you know, between, uh, I don't know, a thousand days and, uh, you know, 400,000 days. He didn't give that. He said, no, no, this is the specific. How could he know that? How could you give that specific of a day? Unless he's real. And unless the Messiah is real. 
It's the prophesied day. God set all of this up so that we could know without a doubt that he truly is Messiah. Do you know that in the New Testament, the gospel writers use, I think it's something like 90 different prophecies that they point to in the Old Testament to show that Jesus is who he says he is? Do you know that there are hundreds in the Old Testament? The purpose of the Old Testament is the prophetic events of God. It is the history of God, the law of God, the poetry, but it is the prophecies of God that show us who Jesus would be the fact that he is Messiah, and it was fulfilled in the New Testament. It is prophecy fulfilled. Jesus came on an actual day into Jerusalem, but it was a prophesied day that he came into Jerusalem. But it was also a very needed day that he would ride into Jerusalem. He came on the day that we needed him the most. This needed day, we are going to look at and see here in just a second. We're going to look at and see in Matthew 21, and I want you to turn back there if you have a Bible, and I want to show you the events that are going on and why this day is so important to us. In Matthew 21, we're going to find, and I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm just going to read a little section here. Here's what it says. The crowds going before him And those following after him, they kept shouting this phrase over and over again. They they kept shouting, Hosanna. Uh, I I grew up and I would hear this on a Palm Sunday. And I thought, what in the world is Hosanna? I don't even, I don't get what that even means. Is it happiness? Is what is Hosanna? Literally in the Hebrew, it is the word Hoshiana. And this is what they were shouting to him. They were shouting Hoshiana. To Ben David, son of David. Anytime you see the word Ben, it's a reference to son of. Hoshiana to Ben David. And that word, Hoshiana, is the word that means save us. And so they were going before Jesus and they were coming, coming after Jesus and they were all shouting in unison, save us. Hoshiana. Hoshiana to Ben David. Hoshiana, save us. Please save us. Now, what they were referring to when they were shouting, save us, was the oppression of the Roman emperor and the impression of the empire that was really having. Um, having a dramatic effect upon them. So they were shouting, Hoshiana, save us. Well, that's exactly what God was going to do. God was coming with the purpose of saving them, but he was not coming with the purpose of fixing their predicament. He was not coming to set them free from Rome. He was coming to help them in the spiritual state of lostness that they were in. They kept shouting, Hoshiana to Ben David, and then they would shout, Baruch Hababa Shem Adonai, which it means, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hoshiana in the highest, save us, save us, son of David, save us, we need to be saved. When he entered into Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred. And they were saying to each other, they were saying, who is this? Who is this guy? I don't know what they're yelling about. Why are they yelling? Why are they saying, save us? What, who are they talking to when they say, uh, you know, when they say, Hoshiana? Who is this guy? 
That question is the question that we all ask. Who is this Jesus? What can he possibly do for my life? Why do I need to know him? Who is this? Why are people talking about him? Why do pastors preach about him? Why do evangelists talk about him? Who is this guy? And that becomes the question that they are asking, that they are seeking. And here was the answer. And the crowds kept saying, when they said, well, who is this? They kept saying, this is the prophet Jesus. It is the prophet Yeshua and he is from Nazareth, that's Nazareth in the Hebrew, Nazareth in the Galilee. Who, who is this guy? He is Yeshua. That's who he is. Now, other versions of your Bible will say the name Jesus. Who is this? It's Jesus. My favorite version of the Bible is called the TLV. It's the Tree of Life version. It's put out by a, a, a group of Messianic Jewish believers. Now, what a Messianic Jew is, somebody who has Jewish origin, but has come to Jesus as Savior. Just a Christian like all of us, but we are Gentile believers. Jewish believers would be called Messianic Jewish believers. In the Messianic Bible, they have kept a lot of the Hebrew I wanted to keep the Hebrew word for Yeshua because I want to explain what was going on. You see, we don't get the same picture in our minds as they would have. In our minds, when they say, well, who is it? It's Jesus. Jesus is probably the most popular name in the world of all time. But did you know that that wasn't his actual name? His name wasn't Jesus. The name was actually Yeshua. Yeshua, when it was translated into the Greek, became Eosus, which is I-E-O, or I-E-S-O-U-S, -E I believe. And then when that was translated into English, it became translated into Jesus. That's how we get the name Jesus. But his actual name is Yeshua. If you told a Jew, you know, and referred to a Hebrew-speaking Jew... The name Jesus really wouldn't mean anything, but if you said the name Yeshua, that would provoke a lot of meaning. It would provoke a lot of, uh, a lot of thought. Let me explain to you what they were understanding and what they were seeing as they said, well, it's, it's Yeshua. The word Yeshua comes from a Hebrew word, which is the word Yasha. Now, the word Yasha is a verb. And the word yasha in Hebrew means to rescue, to help, to defend, to preserve, to make free, to attain victory, to bring to safety, to heal, to save. That is the verb. The verb is an action word, and that is the word in the Hebrew, save us. We, we need to be saved. It's yasha. It is, it is rescue us, help us, defend us, deliver us, save us. They needed to be saved. The Jewish people needed it, but they thought about it in the context of Rome. But we know that it was really the heart that needed to be saved, my heart is far from God. I need to be saved. If God, you don't do something, I am destined for wrath. I am destined for hell. I need to be saved from the predicament that I am in. So they were crying out, Lord, save us. So God said, okay, I will save you. And here's how I'm going to save you. I'm going to send my son, Yeshua. Now, what is Yeshua? Well, Yeshua is the word in Hebrew that means salvation. 
Yasha, the verb, if you add T-I-O-N to being saved or, uh, you know, the salvation, it becomes a result word instead of a action or an action word or a to-do word. So Jesus is the result of God's saving grace. In and of himself, as he rides into Jerusalem, he is salvation right in front of their eyes. We need to be saved. Okay, I will send someone to save you. Who is this that is going to save me? It is Yeshua. He is salvation. There is something profound about that understanding. That when they were chanting out, save us, and they said, well, who is this? That the answer was, well, this is salvation. You want to be saved, here is salvation. Here is the way. There is no other way. He is the way. He in and of himself is salvation. I want to show you a couple of verses out of the Old Testament, and then we're going to wrap this up. In Exodus, the book of Exodus, chapter 15, verse 2, it says this. Adonai is my strength and song. He has become my Yeshua. From the very beginning of time, God has been pointing to the sending of his son to be our saving grace, to provide for us salvation. God will become in and of himself your Yeshua, your Jesus, the one who has come to save you. Isaiah chapter 12, verse 2, behold, God is my, not salvation, in the Hebrew, God is my Yeshua, and I will trust, and I won't be afraid anymore, for the Lord Adonai is my strength and my song. He also has become my Yeshua. So when the people were crying out, who is this? The response was this, he is Yeshua. He is salvation. He is the Lord God himself come into the flesh in order to save us from the mess of our lives. It was the actual literal day, the Lamb Selection Day. It was the prophesied day that Daniel had pointed to some 500 plus years before Jesus came on the scene but it mostly was the needed day because there is a need for all of us to be saved. If you have not accepted Jesus into your life, if you have not bowed down before the Lamb of God, when God's judgment comes, it will be too late. There will be an inescapable wrath that will come upon this world. How can we possibly believe that there will be a wrath? Because God has said it, and he has already proven himself to be true through the ultimate fulfillment of prophecies in his word already. So if those have been fulfilled, why won't these others be fulfilled? If there is an escapable wrath of God, a judgment coming upon mankind, how can I make sure that I am not part of that, that I am not falling under that. Can, can I just be a good person and do as much good as I can possibly do and hope that God just judges the intentions of my heart, right? Can the good outweigh the bad on the, on the great scale that I'm gonna be weighed against? And the answer to those things are no. 
None of those things. There is no way to be saved under heaven except by calling upon the name of Yeshua. God, save me. Hosanna. Hoshiana. Save us. Okay, God says, I will. Behold, salvation is riding in on a donkey in front of your very eyes. Have you trusted in that Jesus? This holy week, this passion week, is a time to reflect upon the goodness of God, looking at the fulfillment of how God has fulfilled his word, looking at the price that Jesus paid to be slain for sinners like us, and to ultimately see the power and the hope of the shattered grave, of the resurrection that we will celebrate next week. If you have not received Jesus, if you have not bowed down to the Lamb of God, I want to encourage you to not leave this place before you do. This is not about me. I don't get any credit for it. It's not a commission basis that God is paying me on. It is for you. It is for your soul. It is to make sure that you escape the wrath that will come. Let's pray together. Father, I pray today that we would, without a doubt, receive you. That we would bow down before the Lamb of God who would be slain for the sins of the world. That we would bow down and say, Jesus, I need the gift of salvation that you were offering. I can't get my way to you. I can't, I can't do enough good to try to get to you, Jesus, You're my only way, and I will trust in you as my Passover lamb, as the lamb of God, the lamb that was selected and chosen by the Father himself, the lamb that would pay the penalty that I deserve. I recognize, Lord, that every one of us deserve to hang on the cross and to die the death that Jesus died. Because our sins because we have transgressed against you, because we have committed iniquity and sin in our lives, we deserve to hang on that cross. Yet you sent your son to take our place. He died a substitutionary death that we could have hope. He took my place, he took our places. And for that, Lord, help us to be grateful and thankful. Help us to love you with all of our heart, to honor you, to obey and trust you. You are a God who keeps his word. You are a God who fulfills every promise. There is no other way, no other plan, no other means by which we can get to heaven except by trusting in your son, Yeshua salvation. Father, we thank you for meeting with us here today. And if there is anyone in this room, Lord, that has not accepted you, who has not trusted in you with all of their heart, who have not said, Jesus, I want you to be a part of my life, I pray that now would be the moment where they say, God, I will bow down before the lamb. And I would ask that your blood be painted across my heart 
so that I would be passed over from the judgment that will come. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the specialness of Palm Sunday, for the specialness of the triumphal entry. Thank you for all that you have done on our behalf. We pray these things in the name of Yeshua, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to that message from Journey Church. Be sure to stop by our website, journeychurchgillette.com, and check out past sermons and learn how to get plugged in with us. Also, if you would like to give to Journey to help us continue doing ministry in ways like this, just hit the Give button on our website to support us on this mission. Hey, I hope that you have a great day, and may God bless you.